This is the Formation Lab. Welcome one, welcome all to the Formation Lab, the only podcast recorded directly in the basement of your mom. My name's Luke. I'm joined as always by Tim. Tim, how are you doing? I'm great. I did not realize it was 2009 and we were still doing your mom jokes. Uh, Yeah, no, 2009 was only a couple years ago. So yeah. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Awesome. Um, um, so what are we going to do about this fancy Red Bull team? I mean, they seem to be, you know, on the up and up since it's 2011 right now. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> yes, they seem to be legitimate. And they had an interesting weekend this weekend in our favorite town, Baku. Yeah, we love Baku so much that we knew it existed before Formula One race there. Yes, we absolutely knew Azerbaijan was a thing. We all did. Totally. <laughs> this isn't this yeah, this isn't us being racist. This is us being legitimately ignorant Americans that had no idea. <laughs> yeah, well our geography classes yeah. were not that great. But Actually, I will I say claim. I I wanna go now. <laughs> like it's stunningly beautiful. I can claim I did know Azerbaijan was a thing because we had a foreign exchange student in high school from Azerbaijan circa about two thousand nine. Well there you go. So I was I, I was I wanna, ahead of the curve. I wanna befriend some Azerbaijani folks and get one of those uh apartments that you can uh, look out (laughs) while the 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 race goes because they had some stunning views. They did. They did. I think to me, Baku, and I know there's a lot of like things going on uh, outside of racing in that city and in that country that, uh, you know, are are not quite as shiny as the Grand Prix, but uh, that town, I tell you what, man, the, the thing about Baku and the track at Baku is one, if you showed people like a picture of that circuit, people would be like, I've never heard of that town, but it looks really pretty. All of the like ornate architecture on the on the buildings surrounding it, you know, yeah. right on the Caspian Sea. And the track itself, we talked about this last week. We did. Is like the very first of the new era of Formula One street circuits. Super wide. We're gonna be flat out ninety nine percent of the time. It's gonna be kinda stupid long and uh, I tell you what, it delivered, didn't it? The thing is, though, is that it, it's super wide in sections, and it's super narrow. Right. And it's, yeah, it just, for some reason, this is probably my favorite Tilka track. Um, code is really great, uh-huh. but this one's super good. Um, and I'd say this one's more impressive because, Cody, you have a blank slate. Yeah. You found a really good layout in a city that, I'm going to be honest, I've looked at the maps before, even before the track was announced. doesn't have a lot of places to put a super great layout. So well done by Herman Tilka, to be honest. We Our applause is to you, sir. Well done. Well done. Golf clap. Golf clap. Um, but yeah, no, it it is a fantastic uh, circuit for Carnage. The first year, uh, I believe, was 2016 when we went, or when they went, and or it was 2016 or 2017, and wasn't a great race everybody was kind of just keeping their nose cleans the next year everybody's like okay elbows out and it was it's been just a complete chaotic beautiful mess ever since and this weekend delivered it was so brilliantly chaotic i mean it's the kind of race that like if you're a race if you're a non-race fan you just watch you know formula one very casually you're the drive to survive crowd no offense if you're a drive to survive listener you're like oh monaco blah 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 this is the one everybody goes oh there's just gonna be glorious glorious chaos i feel like almost every year with the exceptions of i think two races maybe 2019 was 2019 2019 was really good that's when or no 2018 was the week one 
Uh, no, 2018 was really good, too, because 2018 I, is when uh, Seb took his Ferrari and rammed it into Lewis. That's right. Okay, so I'm trying to think. There have been at least, I know there was at least one weak race here. One kind of iffy it's race. It's the first one. Was it the first yeah, one? Yeah, it was the 17. Yeah. 2017 edition was was the first one, and it was kind of boring. Um, it was very processional. Uh, but this one uh, kind of falls in line. 2018 was the, you know, Lewis and Seb kind of locking horns. Uh, 2019 was fun because that's when uh, the Red Bulls knocked each other out because uh, Max moved twice under braking, yep. which is yep. against the rules. Against the, the rules and rule. against, yeah. Uh, but yeah, no, it was, it always produces a pretty darn good race. And this year was no exception. And it all started Luke in qualifying. It really did because qualifying on this track, uh, is similar to kind of a qualifying in Monza. It's all about the toe, all about the toe. Say it with me. All <laughs> about, that was your cue. Yeah. Kind I know, of I just subtly. It, I just let it go. I tried to subtly tell you, Hey, say yeah. it with me. Yeah. No. I'm not the toe was great for Lewis, uh, and it was good for Charles later on. But the the trick was the crosswinds and yes. turn fifteen. Yes, it did. So turn fifteen, all right, is kind of a cross. They had some crosswinds there, but I think if you remember right, these cars this year, how much was the percentage reduction in downforce? Something like ten percent. Yes. Over last year, mm-hmm. you could really see that. It yep. to me, to my eyes, well, I think that's what because turn fifteen is for those of you who don't know is a left hander. It's one of the last actual corners of the lap, and there's really no. I mean, it's a street circuit, so there's no runoff space unless you go straight down the road, right? Unless you know it's going to go wrong, right? And you know, some some guys in qualifying took that way too hard. They really did, and I think that's because there was so much so much less downforce this year combined with wind and what wind does is not only will it unsettle your car which reduces your rotation power but also you have to remember that wind is in essence will change your downforce levels as well depending on how it blows across your car so i think that that is why some of these guys i mean giovanazzi and stroll they rammed into the outside of the outer of the turn 15 and it was one of those things that really started to set the tone for the weekend because it was separating to me uh, no offense to Giovinazzi and Stroll, kind of the wheat from the chaff, right? Right. You saw the young guys who are a little bit more jittery, not that they're rookies, but they're a little bit more jittery in these cars, start to you know, throw it into the wall, and you saw kind of the veterans, the, the guys who know what they're doing, who know how to handle a, a adverse reaction, you know, like a, a bad environment like this, right? They know how to handle it, they know how to adapt, and I think you saw the veterans kind of come through in those instances in turn 15 and yeah and you saw you did see some jitteriness you did see also that's where the envelope was being pushed quite a bit yeah yuki sonoda had a q3 wreck um as well there were four red flags in qualifying just insane and yuki sonoda um overcooked like i believe he he hit his brakes 40 meters after the braking point yeah to really push that envelope and obviously he got you know into the wall um but you're seeing them try hard to push around and not really realizing what they're doing. So Daniel Ricardo broke, uh, he wrecked in the same spot. Mm-hmm. I believe he was the fourth, uh, red, red flag. Yep. Um, but he, he had, he hit the brakes early Yeah. and the wind just took him straight into it. Yep. So it was just a, it was a tough corner for everybody to kind of get used to. Um, and it was a tough track. And I know a lot of teams, even, uh, 
we're, we're bringing less downforce anyway. So Ferrari brought an aggressive rear wing package where it was narrower than normal and smaller than normal. So they were running a lot less rear, uh, rear downforce, yeah. probably in the hopes that they could get more horsepower and more straight line speed. Yeah, well, and it's one of those things, too, because we talked a bit about the track and the balance that's needed there. You can get the straight line speed between 16, 17, 18, 19, 20, and turn one, right? That's one big straight, right? So you want that straight line speed. The issue is is that you saw teams take the opposite approach, which, uh, you know, turns 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, mm-hmm. right? Those are aero-dependent, right? Very it's, much so. It's narrow. It's tight. 13, 14, and 15 are almost flat outs to lifts they're not really tough corners but they're very aero dependent corners so you saw a bit of a trade-off and teams like ferrari said no we want the straight line speed teams like mercedes said no 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 we want to be fast in the narrow kind of castle section as we call it exactly and i love the castle section Uh, surprisingly nothing happened in this castle section no at all might be one of the first years that we've never seen anybody ram into the castle yeah and you know Charles Leclerc's first year with Ferrari 2019 he cooked it into Mm -hmm. the castle um but you know this year it actually went pretty well but yeah four red flag sessions we had uh some disappointing stuff Daniel Ricciardo still trying to figure out the McLaren um but we did have two interesting stories one of the red flags there was a genuine miscommunication, and I want to kind of get your opinion on this. Yes. There was a genuine miscommunication with Lando Norris and the pit wall. Yes. So he, I don't know what it was, but for some reason he passed it up, uh, passed up pit entry. He didn't know what was going on. He was saying, hey, do I come in? What do I do? And he passed it up. There was nobody put in danger. Mm-hmm. There was no harm, no foul. Yeah. But do, got- you, think, do you think it was heavy-handed? With the grid penalty? Okay, let me break it down first off from my understanding of what happened. Sure. Okay? Yep. As is my understanding, he saw the uh, the flag come out, right? And he goes, do I need to come in now or can I, you know, go? He was already decelerating at this point, right? Mm-hmm. And he goes, never mind. I have to stay out anyway. And he goes, back out and takes another one. I've seen people say that he was trying to take, you know, a bank, you know, bank a lap or something. That's not what happened. He was slowed down way too slow to even for the next lap to even matter. And also he knows that under that situation, your lap time doesn't count anyway. Mm -hmm. I think that, you know, Lando Norris said to his team, do I have to come in now or go back around? Like, like what's the deal here? Right. Mm -hmm. The team didn't get back in time and Lando realized very quickly that he was, to my eye, coming into the pit line way too quickly. Yep. And he thought this would be unsafe for me to then go into the pit, so the safer option is for me to come back around slowly and under control. Mm -hmm. Now, if you ignore, technically, to the letter of the law, this is ignoring a red flag, which is a big no-no. One of the biggest no-nos I think you'd actually do in a car, I would say. It's pretty rough. Right. And it comes with a five-place grid penalty, Lando got three, but he got three points on his license. That's what I was going to ask. That's where I think is heavy-handed. That's harsh, isn't it? Because to me, the letter of the law says, here you go, blah, blah, blah. Three grid places is bad, but it's Baku, so like, yeah, whatever. The three points, you're only allowed 12 before you're at a race ban, and I think he's at 11 right now Mm -hmm. uh, until I think mid-June, so like a few more weeks. But I do think that that is steep because if you break down the letter of the law, that's one thing. But if I'm Michael Massey, right, if I'm stepping in his shoes, I I look at that and I say he saw the consequences of both actions, right? 
and determined which one to his eye was the safer thing to do. Put the least amount of people and drivers in danger. Yep. And he chose to do that. And nothing came of it. That is where I think the three points is, is too dangerous. Maybe I ding him one. Like something like maybe like a little like, you know, slap on the wrist. Well, yeah, watch it. I think but the grid penalty was slap on the wrist enough. Right. I, I just... I, I, did, I think the... Three yeah, points, like, dude, brutal. have you seen what the stuff Nikita Monsipin gets away with? And I know like he's a punching, three, band, but ha, punching bag, but have you seen the stuff he gets away with and doesn't get three points? That's legitimately dangerous. And, you know, you also had Roman Grosjean. I think three points was also his penalty for the start he had in Spa a couple of years ago where he yeah. almost killed Fernando Alonso. Right. So, you know, yikes, guys. Like, come on, that's not in any way the same thing. The precedent they said is, is uneven. And I, and I just think it's bad. I do get, though, Michael Massey's position of a six-year-old knows if there's a red flag, you come in to the pits. I, I But I get the position of, look, uh, by the letter of the law, you violated red flag, and I cannot have anybody citing this decision to me when a much more dangerous situation comes out and guys stay out. Right. I get that. I get the, the judgment of... Look, this one's going on the book, and I don't want it cited at me in 18 months' time. That's that. Yeah. But I just – that what gets me is that that three points is indicative of a massive disregard for safety when Lando, to my eye, right, I'm not a professional driver, to my eye, he chose the safest option. Right. That, and, that and rubbed I, me the wrong I completely way. agree. And that's – I don't know, but had that not happened, had they t- had they been more reasonable and seen the you know, you know, he took the lesser of two bad options. I think that he would have been in a better position for Sunday, but we'll get to that here in a second. The other person that got uh, wiped out, and it was gutting to hear the radio call in Q three or Q two. I apologize um, when the wreck occurred was uh, Sebastian Vettel. Yes, um, he had missed out by three hundredths of a second. Yeah, his, I, I feel so bad, his uh, lap, three hundredths of a second off of the time, gets left in P11. And first off, if you haven't watched the race, why are you listening to a podcast of the review of the race? I think, had he, yeah, well, I think had he been at nine, you know, had he been, get got into Q3, he would have been nine, ten, whatever, somewhere in there. He's not sitting P5. All right. I hate to break the news to you guys, but he's not saying P5 in qualifying. Um, but I, I have to think he might have been able to make a lunge for the lead. However, and Tim, you said prior to the show, well, maybe he could have got won the race. I Could have. He could would have been in better position. Better position to do it, no doubt. I just can't see him winning the race. I just don't know. I Because here's the thing. He did really, really well. So so we're going to fast forward to um, race day. Right. And he started P11, mm-hmm. and he got up to P2. And he did it because he got he had a, just a magnificent first stint right. where he made those tires stretch. And tires are going to come up later, but he did a great job. I think he could have. He's looked racier. He has looked racier. My thing is... It's Seb of old. Could he have Lewis Hamilton and... Taking a dive on the inside of Sergio of Checo Perez, maybe, yes. but it's Checo Perez in that Red Bull. I do not see even if you make a pass with like you know on turn one think, of the final lap. I don't see Checo Perez in that Red Bull not taking that back within. Right, quick. but the hydraulics were about to go out on that Red Bull. 
Yeah. He had to pull over right after the finish line. Yeah. My point is he didn't have much to hassle back and forth with, with the steering and everything else that goes along with that hydraulic system. And if he had been put under more pressure, which I do believe Sebastian Vettel could have done, I think the, I think the hydraulics would have failed. All right, well, let's fast forward yes, into the race. Yes, let's forward into the race. Um, so the race itself was absolutely fantastic before anything crazy happened because you had Lewis stranded. You Lewis got ahead of Charles Leclerc off mm-hmm. the line. Charles Leclerc was your pole sitter, which is impressive for Ferrari. where They're doing okay. They're not quite back to where they were, but they are finding some pace. Right. Um, um, I will be interested to see if this pace carries over into non-street circuits. So. I don't think it will. I think it'll. I think uh, Paul Ricard will expose that yeah. for them because uh, you have a lot more high speed turns, more high than speed the low speed turns, stuff. and also I, I do think there is something because you know they're effective at low speed turns, which low speed turns require a decent amount of arrow still, right? I do think there's something to be said for if they're successful in races where wind can blow straight down a street or straight up a street, and what are you what are you doing when you go to Paul Ricard, which is kind of on a plateau? in the mountains where wind can just blow whichever way steadily. You know, uh, the wind situation in a street circuit is vastly different from the wind situation in in a purpose-built circuit. Correct. And so, yeah, we're going to see a few things exposed. I think that's more Mercedes territory. Yeah. I think we're going to see Mercedes bounce back strength-wise. But the race starts out where Lewis does pip Charles Leclerc going into the first lap. Um, so he starts to get ahead, but he doesn't gap the field, which is absolutely interesting. Max and Sergio are right there, right there with him uh, in second and I believe fourth place yeah. for a while. Um, but it was advantage Max from the get-go because he had his rear gunner. Uh, Valtteri Botas had another uh, weekend to forget. He was just floundering in the non-point scoring positions right around 11th and 12th the whole race it was just an anonymous weekend from him i don't even think i saw him on the cameras did you no i'm not sure no yeah there was i didn't see him at all it was completely anonymous it was a bummer of a weekend we're going to get to him in a second but you saw them kind of get ahead and then the pit stop strategy kind of started to come into play mercedes bungled a stop again it was a four plus second stop and it really ruined things for for Lewis and it got let Max get ahead and then Sergio also got ahead of Ma- of Lewis and Sergio in my estimation put on a master class in de- defensive driving he made Lewis work his tail off to try to get past him and he just couldn't do it the the straights the uh draft that he was getting off everybody else and looking so strong throughout the whole weekend uh-huh. was nullified Mercedes was actually nowhere this weekend. The only reason, the only like positive thing was Lewis Hamilton getting a P3 in the final practice session. And everybody's like, what is up with Mercedes right now? Right. So, it, it, but, but he had no power. Uh, Sergio harvested the power in that Honda uh, power unit through the corner so well that he had that extra oomph on the straightaways where Lewis could have caught him. And he, fl- he fluctuated right in between like nine tenths of a second and uh, one and a half, one and 1.4 seconds for at least 10 or 15 laps. Yeah. It was a masterclass from Sergio's. My biggest story this weekend was Sergio Perez keeping, showing everybody what that second Red Bull car can do. That second Red Bull car has not had that good of a weekend since Daniel Ricardo drove it. Mm-hmm. And Daniel Ricardo obviously was the replacement for uh, Mark Webber at Red Bull. And, you know, the, that it's always kind of had a curse since Daniel left it. Sergio's putting that right and showing what that car can actually do and what a good driver can 
can have if he gets he gets the opportunity. So I think for me, Baku this year was the tale well tale of two rear gunners. I think I, one was there, one was not. I agree, and and that is something that I want to get to as well. We'll get to the reverse grid walk in a second, but I think this is an interesting conversation because one of my biggest takeaways was how. It, you look at, you know, some of the driver ratings, blah, blah, blah. I, I forget. I think it was uh, uh, Amos, right, the Automobile und Sport, the, yeah. the German magazine, gave uh, gave Valtteri Bottas a 5 out of 10 on the driver scale. Bottas, to me— That's a generous rating for what he had this week. That is one of the most generous ratings I've ever seen because the tale of two rear gunners— I'm starting to think if you know Mercedes might lose this championship not on the back of Lewis Hamilton on the for constructors they'll lose this championship on the back of solely Valtteri Bottas at this point and I hate to say it Tim but I think I'm hopping off the Bottas boat I just I okay I have seen poor performance after poor performance after what are you doing after there's no inspired driving at all there's nothing and you saw some inspired you know inspired driving in 2019 2018 you saw him you know he would pip a win every now and then this Valtteri Botas is not winning anything he's not no. even coming close and i feel bad for hopping off the Botas boat Be- but because he's been mentally buried by this whole experience and i've been a guy who's been you know tooting his horn Right, I've yeah. been look. Valtteri Bottas is one of the best rear gunners of all time, but he's not right now. So, and I think that's exactly what's going to cause custom championship because Red Bull just found the best rear gunner on the grid right now. Yeah, and the best part is that he fills the role that Red Bull needs him to fill perfectly. Where if something happens to Max, he's there to maximize yeah. the opportunity. Mm-hmm. And you know, seeing Checo on the on the top step, that's I don't think that's ever going to get old. No. Um, you know, Especially not considering how long he's had to wait for and it. how hard he's worked, how much he's put on the line personally to oh. get there. Um, but I, I, I do think it's interesting to speculate. Maybe you and I can speculate right now. Who do you think takes that second Mercedes spot next year? Uh, I would say George Russell. I'm immediately inclined to say George Russell because I know that Hamilton wants... He wants, an, I think he's going to get another year. He wants to see the next generation of Mercedes. So you put Russell in P2, or in seat two, and you just say, you learn from you. We know you instill the young, the wisdom of this kid before you have, before you step away. I think, look, I know, like, that Hamilton is at the end of his career. We all do, Right. Not to say he's not still peak Hamilton uh, in any way, shape, or form, although we'll get into him later. But, you know, he's 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 up there in age, and I think that this is the time where Mercedes goes, we need a smooth transition of power. What do you do when you draft a rookie quarterback? You make him learn under your current quarterback, and he sits on the bench for a season and a half for two seasons, and then when the current quarterback is ready to ride off into the sunset, your new guy has a generation of wisdom and he gets handed off. That's I, the play. I have a bold prediction. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. All right. Let me play the sounder. It's time for bold predictions. Bold? Well, hell yes, it's bold. This is really bold. So bold, it's not recommended for human consumption. That's how bold this stuff is, you little Chris. And I mean it's bold. bold. My prediction is that they go with an entirely new lineup next year. Entirely new. I think Lewis walks off in the sunset with his eight championship. It's going to go down to the last race. 
he will walk, he will go into that sunset a happy man. And George Russell takes his seat. Okay. And I think Pierre Gasly jumps over. That is an interesting move. That that mm, because you know Pierre Gasly wants out of that that Alpha Tower. He's so bad. And he, I mean, he did get recognized by the the Mercedes team publicly. Yeah. Um. And you know everybody's jumping on like with the Nico Rosberg. Oh, is this? You know, here's the fiery thing. I think there's wisdom to that. Mm-hmm. I think there's actually some meat there because that would be a good match. Pierre Gasly shows that passion that isn't present in the P two in the in the second seat of Mercedes right now, and that passion's good. It is in the in the late stages. Uh, and we're gonna get to this in a second. In the late stage of the race, that man was racy. Yeah, he, he took was. an inferior car and beat two superior cars. Do you want to go through? We'll go through reverse grid order right now. Sure. Yep. All right. Do you want to do it real quick? Yeah, we'll start real quick. Alpine finishes uh, pretty low. Esteban Ocon, the first one to retire. But hey, Fernando Alonso finishes P6. Um, Fernando Alonso had a good race. Uh, He beat Esteban Ocon for the first time, and I think in qualifying for the first time in four races, maybe the first time in four races for actual race two, uh, Fernando Alonso with a great performance right great performance uh alpine i think the only thing i thought with alpine he was also there was a race restart at the very end and we had a mini grand prix a sprint race yeah. which was awesome it really was uh but but uh alonzo showed he's still that old fox he can get in there when he wants to he's, he loves to race yeah um but esteban Ocon retired uh with an engine failure which that's the thing I want to talk about. It's interesting. It, when is Alpine slash Renault going to get this right? I am curious, too, because that is a brand new engine. They are plagued with reliability issues, yeah. and they have been for years. To my understanding, every team on the grid, I know Mercedes, Ferrari, Honda did. To my understanding, too, and I could be entirely wrong on this, that was a brand new uh, brand, brand new, new unit. unit for Renault Alpine. And I don't know why... It fails right out of the gate, but that's not good, right? Because you you want that engine, you bring that engine in, is the thought is, hey, this is a power circuit. We're going to push, push, push while it's brand new. And it pushed, pushed, pushed for three laps on Sunday. And then then just smoke came out. Yeah. So something went wrong. And I just, it's it's still a reliability issue. That's impressive. And I, if I'm, Alonzo, I'm bummed. I'm seriously bummed out about my future. Yep. And if I'm Ocon, I'm like, oh God, now what am I going to do? <laughs> I was supposed so. to drive for Mercedes. <laughs> yeah, that's not happening, bud. No, um, yeah, I, I don't know. All I know is that uh, some people down in Texas, where I was a few days ago, are going a, a Renault with <laughs> with with reliability issues. Get out of <laughs> well, here! Butter my biscuits. Get out of here! <laughs> So, yeah, who's next on our grid walk? Next up, we have Aston Martin, Lance mm. Stroll, DNFs after 29 laps. And, uh, of course, uh, that was one of the big, big stories. Uh, Lance Stroll, DNFs in the middle of a stint. I believe he had the hards on. He had the C3s on. He Yes, he still had about 10 or 15 laps to go on, on those particular tires, yeah. as according to Pirelli. In guidelines the, right in the middle of his stint too that's he, he wasn't pushing it he wasn't doing anything nope. it just poof he gave out and he you know loses it and I, I i honestly feel really bad for lance stroll because you can hear if you go back and listen to the radio call he crashes and he all you know all the cars are boom 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 right right, right past him and he like with 
a genuine sense of terror in his voice goes, get me out of here. Uh, he is scared for his life, and I don't blame him. That was mega was dangerous. scary spot to be. I mean, he was on almost on the racing line. That, yeah. You know, that, that's kind of a scary spot to be trashed. Um, but, yeah, it's... It, it was because of a tire failure, so let's let's park it there for a second because that sets the stage nicely for um, what's coming up. Pirelli this weekend brought the softest of their compounds, uh, so it was the C3 hard tire that became an issue, and uh, they also reduced the PSI to give everyone a little bit more grip so you could get around the city circuit a little bit better. I don't know that this is Pirelli's fault. Because the amount of debris, the amount of carbon fiber that was, I mean, again, it bears repeating, four red flags the day before. The amount, the quality of the carbon fiber that they use in Formula One cars is so high that the the particles and the shards are so fine, they just sit there. They will sit there and, and they're on the racing line. The junior uh, categories like, also had some issues. It's like trying to broom up rubber bands, too. Correct. Like, y- y- the only way to get some of those shards off is to bend over and physically pick them up. Right. Like, and, you can't just sweep them off. Right. And the and the thing that, you know, I know everybody's jumping on the, oh, this is unacceptable. And, you know, number one, what do you guys, I mean, Luke, you said it before the, the show. What, do you want another tire war? That's not fun. That's stupid. And... Pirelli only gets talked about if they mess up. When's the last time you heard anybody say good job, Pirelli? When's the last time we talked about Pirelli? Uh, I believe that would be the 2019 season when Haas and a few teams couldn't get their their tires up to snuff, up to heat. Up to, up to temperature, right. And it was a temperature thing. Right. So, you know, that has a lot to do with brake balance and maybe the teams being a little but when's the last time Again, we saw about Haas. But when's the last time we saw a tire that was explodey dangerous right and it was probably toward the beginning of the hybrid era when they became the primary manufacturer and i i just don't think i want to jump on the bandwagon they you know made some adjustments and they got it wrong i'm not i'm not going to jump on. i just i just take issue with the fact that like yeah dude exploding tires are bad but exploding a tire at at the speed that it was a sudden failure at that very easily could have killed Either Lance Stroll or Max Verstappen. If 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 Lance Stroll ricochets back in the racing line, uh, he might be he might be not be with us. If Max Verstappen veers left instead of right, because you remember he wobble wobble wobbled and he hit right. If he goes left, he goes into a concrete barrier that the entry to the pits kind of sits perpendicular to the angle at which he would have gone. He would have met that head on. I I it's understand, dangerous, but I don't think it's due to negligence. I, okay, not due to negligence, but it's still unacceptable to me. Right. I just, I can't. But how do you fix that? I don't know, man. Maybe yeah. maybe there's so, more simulations that need to be run. Maybe there is numbers that need to be crunched, but you can't, you have can't that. have that. But it's the, I, again, it's a it's the first time it happened. It was the same tire, and they have sh- have debris just everywhere. They do, and I'll and give so, you that. They had four red flags in qualifications. They had all the support races that had debris shot everywhere. Also, in addition, this is a city st- city street, man. Like, have you ever seen a city street? They're not the most sanitary thing. Things blow on the track all the time. So, I just have a hard time laying it all at Pirelli's feet. So, but it did consume uh someone else but we're going to get to that in a second because uh stroll yes he was genuinely scared papa stroll did not look pumped no um about everything uh but 
there's good news because they had Seb Vettel. <laughs> Seb Vettel made those hard tires last a long time. Mm-hmm. And well beyond when Max and uh, Lance did. So I don't think, again, and he was pushing pretty decent. And he got the overcut done on a lot of guys. And he went from P11 to P2 uh, in the race. And so I would say, first of all, great job, Seb. We were kind of wondering about you. And I I can't remember the last time we were positive about Seb Vettel. But I think he's kind of leaning into his confidence now in the car. Yeah. Monaco was a great result for him. Yep. It, It looked like a strong race. He looked racy. He looked hungry. Is is I think the the main thing for me. He looks like he can just make stuff happen. He he is the antithesis to Valtteri Bottas. Where every time I see Valtteri Bottas in the, like this year, he doesn't look like he wants to make the move and you know shake things up and kind of make some passes. Seb Vettel will eat you alive. He is really leaning into what uh, Will Buxton in the Drive to Survive series called his inner bastard. I think. Uh huh. And he's. He's really kind of leaning into it and finally feeling the car. And so to get to P2 is great. Um, so, yeah, no, I, I think, uh, you know, mixed bag for Aston Martin, but the positives are so positive. Um, so I'm absolutely thrilled for them. Um, but our uh, next team, unfortunately, is Red Bull. Yeah. Another uh, rough one. Max looked very comfortable. He was cruising about four he seconds had the ahead. Win in the bag. He had the win in the bag. He was he was be, he had a level head about him. I do think he was posing though when he got out of the car and kicked the tire. I think that was just him kind of he he wasn't going to do that. He was just going to walk off, and then he's like, "No, this will be a good picture. I'll kick it." You think uh, so? Oh yeah, yeah. That's There's a, a lot of great pictures of Max this weekend, to be honest. Yeah, there are. <laughs> um, but yeah, it was a terrible. He was going down the main straight, and the tire gave out, and it was just in the wall, and the debris was. Erwer, and it Everywhere. actually caused uh, the red flag. Let's talk about that real yes. quick. Because first off, I would like to commend the 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 radio call because you heard uh, Red Bull. Oh my gosh, his name escapes me. Um, whoever the guy is at Red Bull, call to Michael and go. I think that's so. I, I love that call. That the call. radio stuff that, mm-hmm. that they've started doing the last few weeks. He goes, I know you're busy. <laughs> but, but, which is which is the most British way of saying sh- I know you're uh, shut up it. this I is important yeah. this is important right he goes I know you're busy but we had no indication that that was coming no metrics no vibrations we had nothing and you hear Michael Massey go go yeah okay well no 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 the point is maybe consider a red flag and let people change their tires yeah, let everybody get a fresh set. Yeah. And maybe we'll avoid this again because we didn't have any vibrations. And his kind of, he kind of made that, we didn't have any. So it's like, I don't think Aston Martin did I either. don't think they did either. And, and so, that was a big thing too. Just yeah. because I was going to say during the Aston Martin segment, I don't know if like Lance Stroll had any indication, but I didn't, didn't hear any. It didn't look like it. it he, was, he was messing with his dash. He was got getting the dialed in. I think he was messing with fuel flow or something like that um, on his on his steering wheel, mm-hmm. and all of a sudden the 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 tire was just gone, and mm-hmm. he was in the wall. Um, he was a passenger. Yeah. And so yeah, no, neither team had any indication. So yeah, that call being like, you need to let us put on fresh rubber. Everybody needs it. Yeah, which is also I think a sporting move too because Red Bull had nothing to lose. That race was not ending under green without a red flag. Right. And. You know that, yeah, definitely more sporting, and yeah, it set up uh, the stage for a sprint race, uh, which was one of the coolest things I've seen in years. Yeah, 
Um, so if they want to do the sprint race format, Go I am for it. game. Let's bring I it. am game. Do it. I think I think that that's a good point too because it wasn't ju- the sprint race was entertaining. Um and knowing that drivers can just go balls to the wall for that short period is something I mean, I would pay to see something like that. I know it's not going to produce that race at a at a sprint race like at like Paul Ricard, but showing us what happens when you're not in conserve mode. Right, when and- they can when everybody's got fresh tires, everybody's got a full tank. And they're going, you know, foot to the floor. Right. Yeah. That was entertaining. And you oh, it was saw, deeply entertaining. You saw so many battles, and we'll talk about them in a bit. But yep. back to Max Verstappen, though. Brutal. Um, just a brutal. Because here's the thing, too, is is the championship indica- implication swung like a pendulum, right? They went, oh, my gosh, dude, Verstappen and Red Bull are about to just dunk on Mercedes, right? Yep. Because Hamilton's, he ain't getting past Perez. No way. No, and you know Perez again, deeply impressive. Yeah, um, and with that you go, oh no, because all of a sudden when the red flag comes out, you think, at least to me, I go, oh Hamilton just took a commanding lead in the championship because all he has to do is finish P two now, and what you know eighteen points to zero. Yep, no. and he makes an intimation to that. It does look like it's going to be a Red Bull win because Sergio's there, Matt or uh, Lewis doesn't want to push, but then they're sitting on the starting grid for the restart, and and there was something coming out of Lewis's car. There, there was. Uh, we have to hit on Latifi and Russell real quick here. They had do bad we weeks. Though? They had bad weeks. Williams yeah, looked slow. On to <laughs> <laughs> on to, on to Hamilton, things. right? Yes. On to Hamilton. Hamilton looked. Lined up to the grid. His brakes were, if not on fire, almost on fire. He had the brake magic system on. Yeah. And and what the bra- explain yeah, what the okay. brake magic system is. Okay, so brake magic is a system in Mercedes. I'm not sure exactly what it does, but basically what it does is you push the button and it gets your brakes up to working temperature. Right. So that and your tires and brakes your tires everything it alters the brake balance to right. the front. Right. And what that does is it means that your brakes are in optimum working condition at the point in which you you know are ready for your first corner. I believe the way in which it does that is it's MGUK, right? It's it basically it's engine. It directs heat from the energy recovery system, the ERS, directs heat from the ERS into the brakes, which warms them. So you you line up and you see Mercedes brakes are, I mean, they are smoking. Yeah, there was a, t- a just you clouds of smoke billowing. You couldn't see the cars behind him. <laughs> yeah, no, I and I was uh, texting uh, with uh, our our producer Dylan, uh-huh. uh, and I'm like, oh my god, I think I think uh, Lewis's car is about to light on fire. I know, like that thing is smoking. It is ridiculous. Um, but uh, he comes off the line, and he is clearly making a move for first. He's clearly and he had it. inner champion is saying, no, no, I can take more points instead of keeping my powder dry. I'm going for it. Right. He had the move, too. He had the move, but his break, the, he had he had to have had break fade. He had to have. And here's a talking point as well, by the way. Um, break magic, somebody pulled, I believe it was on Reddit, a, a screenshot of the, of the steering wheel. Break magic is off, and Lewis had his balance set to 51% on the brake balance, right? So it's slightly to the front, but it's just ever so much, right? So brake balance is like when you hit the brakes, how much 
does the front in relation to the rear slow you down, right? Yes. Um, brake magic, you turn on, and brake magic changes your balance, right, in order to heat it up. The idea is, of course, you turn the brake magic off. Brake magic on, he has an 86.5% brake balance into the front. You can see this on a steering wheel, right, which means that you hit the brakes, and the rear wheels are doing uh, – what 14 and a half percent of the work and the front the front wheels are breaking you know 86 and a half percent you know at maximum power right yep and um, it helps you get your front tires up to temperature right. and everything start working the problem is is that he turned the brake magic on but he didn't reset the brake balance to 51 percent mm-hmm. at by the time of the first quarter that is a interesting point because what that means is that it's that's a mental error of Lewis Hamilton not operating the Mercedes in all of its complexity correctly. And I can I can remember the last time maybe I I've seen Lewis Hamilton make like oh, you know, just a little too aggressive into the corner there. I've seen him, you know, oh, that wasn't a great move, you know, maybe he lost control, maybe blah, blah, blah. Or he makes the abrupt choice like in 2019 Germany when yeah. he turns into the pit lane way too late because he just yeah. bend it or like um or he gets too aggressive and he makes he makes it improper you know he blasts through a corner like an imola this year right i don't know the last time if ever i've ever seen lewis hamilton like get something mentally wrong by not operating the car correctly not that much not like that and it actually led to and i saw this on autosport uh, com, the first non-points finish for Mercedes since 2012. Nine years. Nine years. The, their entire run of dominance, that's never happened, uh, and both cars finish. It's happened where they both wreck. Yeah, where they both wreck. But, Spain yeah. 2016. Um, yeah. But, but, uh, but yeah, no, it was it was interesting in a, in a, in a mental gap. Mm-hmm. So nothing really moves a whole heck of a lot except for Sergio jumps up in the uh, Drivers' Championship. Red Bull still has a pretty decent edge in the uh, Constructors' Championship, so that's good. Let's talk about why Sergio and Red Bull grabbed a huge lead in the Constructors' Championship, a decent edge, as you said, because Valtteri Bottas finishes P12, P12, and he was never really a threat for good points the whole weekend. And this is where I want to get people could say, oh, the Mercedes weren't this or that or the other. I know the Mercedes weren't the Red Bulls this weekend in terms of pace, right? I know that. Tim, you know that. I know that. We all know that. Yep. But the fact of the matter remains is that the Mercedes had objectively, if you if everything else being equal, they had objectively P3 and 4 pace, okay? Right? The Mercedes was happy and content in position 3 behind the two Red Bulls. Yep. Right? Um, which means that Valtteri in the same car should be running in P4. Mercedes also had the pace. Should a restart or such a situation arise, they could potentially pass for the lead and potentially win the thing. Because we saw Lewis Hamilton do that off of the get-go on the restart, right? Yep. So it's a, you know, a car that is suited to be up front. It is a car that if you drive it correctly, maybe you can make a stab for a win. But at the very least, we know it's a top five car. Yep. I know it wasn't as strong as usual, but Valtteri Bottas didn't even have it anywhere near the points. Not even close to the points. I mean, honest to God, remember this even is even after the restart. Yeah, the, remember after and it was the a restart, restart for two laps. Yeah, he was two. almost two seconds out of a point. And that's after guys, two laps. Yeah, that's that's a bludgeoning. That is 
really bad. Like I said, Pierre Gasly. Who is who is our next uh, team up? I. <clears throat> we where you want to stick here? Because no. here's the thing. Okay. Yes, the the tail of the two gunners, rear gunners, goes to Sergio this weekend. Right. And I think that should be celebrated. Right. Um, and yes, Valtteri Bottas did not make a strong case for getting a 2022 drive. No. So, brutal. Yeah, absolutely brutal. Are we done with Mercedes? Should we move to the next team here? Let's do it. All yeah. right. After Hamilton is Haas. <laughs> Mazepin and Schumacher. Mazepin uh, really pissed some people off this weekend. No. Uh, Schumacher was coming through on a hot lap, and Mazepin just didn't get out of the way. Yeah. And ruined a lap for Schumacher. Schumacher was rightly pissed. And, yeah, and Mazepin was just unapologetic. I genuinely think he's a danger on the grid. Yeah, he's actually getting uh, investigated, I think, as we speak for that incident as well. Yes, he is. Uh, Well, and it should have been there, like, that should have been an immediate thing. Yeah. That they investigated. Like, I know that there was a lot going on, but that wasn't good. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, he ruined Mick Schumacher's... uh, uh, race, I do think Mick is more uh, Michael's son than uh, Ralph. Ralph's nephew. Uh, I think you know he's showing some pretty strong form in that terrible, terrible car. Um, but yeah, otherwise an anonymous weekend yeah. from them. We just saw them when they <laughs> were getting lapped. So yeah, uh, w- one other thing though is uh, Mick Schumacher though uh, had an interesting radio call after the race. Excuse me, where uh, he basically asked, you know, they ran through, you know, here's one through ten. And he he's like, oh, that's a good result for Vettel. And then again, pulling in, he goes, what'd you say Vettel got again? And they're like, oh, you know, he got P2. And he's like, oh, that's a good result. He'll be really happy with that. Because uh, Seb is a good mentor for him. It really, yeah. And, you know, they're, those two are close. They're, uh, you know, countrymen. Um, and uh, Michael Schumacher was always, you know, close with Seb coming up. Mm-hmm. And so Seb t- takes it seriously, you know, his conversations yeah. and his relationship with Mick. Yeah, it's, it's a mentor, but also I think there's something in Seb I mean, not specifically fatherly, literally, but like... It's there, like an there, older brother. There is something there, especially because Seb was such good friends with Michael, and he knows that, like, you know, this is this is his son who doesn't have a father right now, so I need to, like... You know. it, it, is a, it is a brotherly relationship, right. I think. It's like an older brother, and you're like, ah, oh, hearing that was nice. Yeah. It's a cool part of the weekend, yep. so that's it for Haas. Who else do we have? Alfa Romeo found one car in the points. Kimi Raikkonen in P10, Antonio Giovinazzi in P11. Giovinazzi rear-ended Daniel Ricciardo. We're in the early stages. Not a whole lot of damage done, So, but that's great. But Giovinazzi, I think, is starting to kind of get out of balance. He's starting to wobble a bit. Yeah. He, was, he, was, he was quiet and consistent, and now he's starting to kind of feel himself and get a little racy, and he's going to mess it up. Good news. His uh, teammate, Kimi Raikkonen, is always going to do Kimi Raikkonen things. (laughs) He really will. Uh, Kimi Raikkonen puts it in the points P10. I didn't really see much of him other than that, though. Nope. Yeah, they were pretty anonymous. Uh, Moving up next, McLaren. Uh, Daniel Ricciardo, a P9, and then Lando Norris, a P5. Uh, It might have been a podium run had... Had it not been for the uh, the red flag, yeah, the red flag, Um, red red flag incident. Yes, good. But he almost in the restart, and I think. Do you want to talk about the the dueling and the? Yes. Let's just wrap this whole thing into one because Norris, Leclerc, and Gasly right off the line (sighs) at the at the at the at the restart. That wasn't just an F one duel. That was an IndyCar level duel. And what I say by that is when F one has a duel, to me. Right, an IndyCar fan. 
When F1 has a duel, it's block, 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 then the guy gets by, and boom, there's a second, right? Yep. That was... Uh, okay, okay, well, uh, uh, Gasly's ahead of Leclerc. Now Leclerc is ahead of Gasly. Now Loris, you know, Norris slipped in between Leclerc and Gasly. Loris. Now, now Gasly is back ahead of Le- It was, I mean, it and was it was corner to corner to corner, too. It was a magnificent duel. Right. And, that, yeah, it, like you said, give, it was corner to take, corner to corner. Give, take, That is every racing fan's dream. Yeah. That is what we want to see every single weekend, and you got to see it. And that's why I'm going to rate this at the end so highly is because that happened, that we were allowed to see the youngest guys on the grid really go after each other. And they they weren't disrespectful they no. they didn't you know it was a it was a fine duel that was a that was a masterful amount of driving from yeah. each one of them and Norris tried to be he was in the back he was trying to be uh racy and kind of get in should somebody overcook it and you know back off a little bit he almost got Leclerc almost and, and that uh I can't remember which turn I think it was 14 or 15 ah. it was really close but it yeah. was a really cool duel and the fact like Pierre Gasly was in a, in a class of his own, he took an inferior car and beat Charles Leclerc, who was the pole sitter the previous day, mm-hmm. and a Mercedes-powered Lando Norris. Yeah. That is just that you cannot say enough about that. It is an outstanding thing. It was weird, though. After the race, they were like, you know, hey, you were doing great. You had such great pace. He goes, yeah, I don't know why. <laughs> He's like, I, I, the team and I, we really don't understand why we were so racy. And it's like, uh... Well, that's not good. That's not a great PR answer no, there. Yeah, Franz Tost is going to be a bit pissed. Yeah, just a um, little bit. But, uh, but yeah, uh, Pierre Gasly's compatriot, uh, Yuki Sonoda, who, again, he is just radio gold. <laughs> <laughs> I love that guy. Um, he came in uh, P9? P- P7? Y- Yuki Tsunoda comes in at P7. P7. So they, it, was a, it was a good result for him. He's coming along. I think I saw statistically in terms of both drivers finishing because that's the counter because you'll say Italy 2020. This is the best week uh, Alpha Tauri has ever had. I think statistically in like team history uh, with Gasly in three and Tsunoda in seven. It's a, It was a good weekend for the team and you know I, I'm I'm over the moon for him. You yeah. know, that was that was a cool result. You know, Pierre being on the, the podium again um, and proving his medal, um, I think, is really, really valuable. And yeah. I do think that the bigger teams like Mercedes are looking at him now thinking, this isn't a one-trick pony. This kid can drive. This kid can drive, and he's in a, he's in a car that has no business being in P3. Yeah. None, none, and he, and he just plays his cards right, and he pushes that. And let's not as let's, hard as let's not say P three too, because you have to remember the front end. You know, biffed it right. Uh, he has no business being in a car that's ahead of a Ferrari and especially a McLaren. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, he he took the inferior car and he did otherworldly stuff with. That's right. why we talk about you know Ayrton Senna in such you know hallowed ways in such reverent ways is because he would take an inferior mclaren and beat everybody in in the wet all right write that down pierre gasly is Ayrton senna oh. 10 <laughs> 6 7 21 8 29 p.m yep, yep. Did, did you just compare him to Ayrton senna i compared the way we talk about him and the reason we like him that's why I'm saying the way we talk about Pierre Gasly because I talk about I sell I you know I observe a day of remembrance for Pierre Gasly every year. All right, I'm messing with you, but th- th- you're not wrong though. It, Pierre Gasly just puts that car where it has no business being, and he's an opportunist. He, b- 
But he's good enough to, ha- it, like Scott Dixon, he is good enough to put the car in a position to get lucky. Mm-hmm. So, and take advantage of those yep. moments. So, no, I was elated to see that. Um, I th- and the, du- but yeah, no, the dueling, you know, the opportunity, the late sprint race, I really liked it. Carlos Sainz, where did Carlos Sainz end up? Carlos Sainz ends up P8, and then Charles Leclerc ends up P4, and Ferrari's the last team that we haven't talked about. So congratulations to our winners. <laughs> By our metrics. Yeah. Ferrari, weirdly. Um, but yeah, they, they had good qualifying pace. Um, I think for sure they benefited from the red flags mm-hmm. um, in Q3. They benefited the from is, a street circuit too. And, correct. Yeah. And the thing is about a street circuit, you got to get your best lap in immediately because really, it's going to go wrong. Yeah. So, you know, kind of like uh, Matt Damon in The Martian, there is going to come a moment where it all goes south. And you're going to have to figure out what to do. And that's yep. what, I mean, precisely what Seb Vettel did. But I would say, yeah, Ferrari benefited a lot from that. Um, but they did they did the most with what they had. Paul Ricard is going to suck for them. Yeah. Um, but, no, I think uh, it was a decent result for the team. Two pole uh, positions and two, weeks, two races in a row for Charles Leclerc. Good for him, uh, but he's benefited from some shenanigans. Uh, a little bit of shenanigans. Also, uh, shocking blow. For uh, or a tragic blow, I should say. Maybe not shocking. Tragic blow for Ferrari. Uh, our our street circuit at uh, Singapore is uh, gone from the calendar this year. Maybe Which replace. Which is a bummer. I, I like Singapore. I do too. I, I can't think. race it. I hate the the former uh, Sing Sling uh, sector because you I could never get it right. Well, the Singapore Sims. Sling sucks, but then also the corner that it is now, I just don't like anyway. I don't like it either. <laughs> It's not fun. I can't get it right. No. Uh, I'll be interested to see what happens to the circuit. Um, they took the float out. Uh, so, like, you know the float, which yeah, is the yeah. floating soccer pitch? Yeah. Uh, they took the track, you know, goes in. What is it? It does a right-left, and then it goes through the stands and a left-right. Yeah. Uh, that building no longer exists. That sucks. Yeah, well, it's a now a floating opera giant complex. I'll have to pull up a picture. It's an insane looking building. Um, Could we have somebody singing there while they go through? Never mind. Dude, like a James Bond. Oh. He's, yeah. you, what was the, there was a James Bond movie a while ago as we wrap up here. There's a James Bond's Bond movie, I believe it was a Brosnan one, where they had a floating opera. Oh, and, I'm sure they did. And he was like at the opera, he's backstage doing something or the other. I'm picturing that, but with F1 in the background. If you know what we're talking about, please tweet at us what Bond movie that was <laughs> yes. at the Floating Opera House. At Formation Lab 101. Send us hate mail for the Formation Lab at 101ESPN.com. That's right. Yep. Um, so, but no, I good weekend for Ferrari. I'm still suspicious of their climb back to power, um, but I do know that they took some sacrifices and they made some, um, they made some switches with uh, their rear wing. So that makes more sense to me as to why they had some pace. I I believe that makes sense. They're just they're gonna get their butts kicked. Ferrari don't have the pace at Paul Ricard and Tim. Uh, can I be honest with you, Tim? Yes. I'm not looking forward to Paul Ricard. No, you're kidding. No, I'm no. The last couple. I mean, look, the Indy 500 has delivered. Baku delivered. All right. Monica Monica wasn't terrible. It wasn't. It was a terrible race, but a decent enough. Qualifying. Like, well, decent enough qualifying and also a decent enough, like, uh, implication, shall we say, right? The implications were insane. But uh, Paul Ricard is not going to deliver. As I showed Tim the picture of the new building that's going on where the float is. Huh. 
Looks uh, interesting. Looks kind of like a James Bond. A little bit. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Maybe a little bit. A little bit like the Wii Sports Resort dueling. A little bit, yeah. You know, yeah. But, uh, but yeah, so um, overall, Luke, what grade are you going to give this race? Because we're going to go back and have to listen to all this and compile it yeah, at the end of the year. Yeah, I have a gut feeling that okay. I that I want to say an A plus. Okay, I, I I my gut's there. My brain says, Luke, you just gave the Indy five hundred an A plus. How can you give two A pluses in a row? As I say, you're uh, you're not wrong about that. My I I we we value the A plus here. All right, we're yes, not we do. we're not some of those reporters who give out driver grades and the average score of all driver grades is a seven point six AM Amos automobile blah blah. blah. You, we're looking at you. All right, mm-hmm. we value A pluses here. We do. An average race is still a C. That's right. This was an A plus. I'm gonna agree. Yeah. This was. The reason I enjoy watching a race. I can't not. There's nothing that. The, there, I can't pick the, on anything. The 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 dual sectors were still good. Yeah, because we were think. I kept thinking. I and I was again. I was texting with Dylan. Uh, unfortunately, Luke had a rough weekend, and he <laughs> we'll overslept. Tell you the story about that. And, and I. Uh, <laughs> yeah, you uh, you you slept through your alarm, but it, you will understand when you hear the story in you'll a future under- episode. Exactly, but we. Um, the the reason it was so cool was we kept saying, okay, Hamilton keeps yo-yoing in this ga- time gap. He's, he's going to make it up. Their radio calls are interesting. That strategy was actually interesting this time. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you saw more than one competitor at the front, and it was it was just interesting. You didn't see people doing the same – you didn't see teams doing the same thing they always do, where Mercedes gets in front, and then he's got, like, a 30-second gap. Lewis got to the front, and he never had uh, out of DRS range. Yeah. He could not pull away. And you're like, ooh, that's interesting. That's that's very twisty. That's a twist. It's a twist. Um, subverting so, our expectations. Subverting our expectations. Like a bad Star Wars movie. Wow. And and then, yeah, and then chaos, you know, did come our way. So Baku delivered. Baku always delivers. Well done, Baku. Well done, Baku. A plus. Oh, f- now it's weird. Ooh.